0: Underscore expressions on Instagram. Enjoy the episode. Good morning, guys. How are you? Um, I felt compelled this morning to do this anchor. yesterday was a very very sad day for many of us um it was the passing of kobe bryant and his daughter gianni who they nicknamed Gigi. in the afternoon yesterday we got reports that kobe bryant had perished in a plane crash in calabasas And, um, I remember being in shock and awe that this had happened because, you know, it's Kobe Bryant, you know, um, why would he be on a plane, uh, in Calabasas, or at least that's how I processed it. You know, why would he be on a plane? You know, what, where was he going? What was happening? Was his family there? Many different questions. And, um, you know as news um, you know a major news story happens it flashes in a crawl or an alert on your phone or Facebook and then we're left to process what happened asking questions and no one really having answers and then later on we get some more unfortunate news that his daughter, Gigi, was also on that plane. An already tragic story gets more tragic. Father and daughter on that plane. That perished. And the rest of us are left here to process what this means. I personally didn't know Kobe Bryant and I wasn't a follower of basketball, but nonetheless, it affected me all the same. I felt sadness as I would have had it been a close friend or a close family member Um, because over time, you know, we see these people Um, on TV, we see them on our, our, you know, uh, phones and everywhere. And we have a tendency to, to kind of start to feel a little close to them. And uh, that's exactly how I felt. Um, And memories of his career, you know, are just, you know, certain things that pop up like uh, him and Brandy going to the prom together. Um, Him having a song. I think it was KOBE with Tyra Banks when they both were wanting to get into the music business. Um, His time on the Lakers. And I just felt like he was just a really genuine spirit he didn't come off as arrogant. He didn't come off as someone who was unapproachable. Um, you know, although I, he had been in the, the league for many, many years, I mean, at this point, it's okay to have an ego. Um, you are great, but he never came off that way. Um, I remember when he got married, you know, to his wife and, um, you know, just very surface level stuff. But again, it, it It affected me all the same. Um, I had a friend, my best friend, uh, pass away uh, November and it put me in that mind frame and that sadness that I felt when she passed and um, this one hurts. He was one of the greats for sure and uh, the story is tragic because it was a plane crash. You know, we hear that he was on his way to a game with his daughter, a basketball game. There were also seven other people that were on the plane. And, um, you know, we're just left here to process what, what happened and, you know, how did this happen and why did this happen? And there's no, no words, no answers, no explanations uh, that can be given to it to really explain this. Other than, you know, God knows what he's doing. And, you know, um, I am a, you know, God-fearing and God-believing man. So, I don't take the time to question why a lot of times. Um, I just... There's no explanation that's going to suffice uh, why. So... As I said, I felt compelled to, to to speak about this particular topic because of, you know, my recent experience with with grieving, which is going to be our topic for today. Um, in just three short uh, years, I've lost two of my very best friends, um, untimely, and um, I can honestly and truly say that it doesn't get easier and what I mean by that their presence them not being here it it never gets easier uh, missing them and my intention for this particular topic is to talk about my memories of them talk about how I've dealt with grieving um, in the past you know as a young kid and today and you know words of affirmation that we will get through it this will get easier as time goes on and uh, we need to love on and show people that we care about that we love them and do exactly like my friend Darlena says and that's to live life on purpose so thank you guys for joining and follow me on this journey of fleshing out the topic of grieving. So grief and I have a very fickled and estranged relationship. And a strange, you you ask. In my life, I've been lucky to only have grieved um, over about five people in my life that I can truly say that It really affected how I navigated in this world Um, and I don't know if I would call it lucky but you know I haven't really had you know a lot of time with grief you know um, my grandmother is 96 she will be 97 in in, uh, April I lost an uncle Um, in 1981 and I was a baby at the time so I don't remember Um, and other than my grandfather my grandmother and you know Darlena George and another aunt I really haven't had a tough time with, with, with grief I've experienced it but you know I really didn't have a strong sense of what it was until my best friend George uh, passed away and my good friend Darlena passed away. Um, When I was younger, which is when, uh, you know, my my grandfather and uh, my my grandmother and, um, you know, a couple of my other family members uh, that passed away, um, I really thought that grief was just sadness for that particular day. You have the funeral where you realize that they're not going to be around, but you know, you feel sad for a short period of time and then you go back to normal life. And, um, you know, when I lost my best friend, you know, that, that theory, you know, fell on its ass, you know, pretty quickly because, Although I didn't get a chance to go to his funeral, um, I did get an opportunity to meet with his mom, and I spent the night in his room um, when I did go visit, and it just made me realize, you know, that no matter how much time, you know, goes you know, past or go by, it never really... Gets easier. I can say that I think of George daily, um, you know, because he was a good friend to me, and I'll be telling you guys a little bit about the story of how we became friends, and and uh, I'll also share that little bit with uh, Darlena uh, as well, um, because it's really the memories that get me through. The memories of, of, of their presence, their greatness, the things that they've done—that that really allows me the opportunity to get through, um, you know, the sadness of their death. But, uh, you know, George passed in 2017. Um, It was shortly after his 33rd birthday, which George and I had this, uh, we were very close. I, I really thought George was my soulmate because he understood me, you know. Um, there were a lot of times where it was just unspoken between he and I. You know, I I really didn't have have to say a lot of words uh, to him for him to understand where I was coming from. It was almost like you know that that uh, twin moment that that twins have, where I felt him and he felt me, not like in You know, uh, I would be doing something and, and, uh, you know, I would have a twin moment where I would flash to him and I would call him and nothing like that. It was more or less like whenever we did Converse or we were in the same space, which was, you know, over the years, kind of sparingly, I felt his connection and love for me, um, you know, quite brightly. And um, he was a good guy. But, uh, January 22nd of 2017, um, I get on Facebook and I tragically find about, find out about his passing on Facebook and, uh, I didn't believe it. So I go into a frenzy trying to figure out who I can contact to see if it was true or not. And, um... You know, I I reached out to another mutual friend of ours, Woods, who was a good military buddy, and I reached out to Hernandez. um, I think they both kind of confirmed, but I wanted to take a step further. I wanted to to speak to George's mother and try to understand what happened, but not be too meddling, because I know she's processing, you know, this grief as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately, I had to wait patiently. Um, to find out if he had passed. And unfortunately, it was true. His family put out a, um, you know, statement saying that he had passed. And I immediately uh, got a plane to go to Maryland, Silver Springs, Maryland, which is where he called home to go and offer my condolences to his mom and um, just, you know, go get a chance to see him, um, you know, see if it's his gravesite because I wasn't able to, to make the funeral. It's just I had to work the day before and was able to get the very next day off and so on and so forth. So I didn't get a chance to, to go to the funeral, but I got an opportunity to stay in his room shortly after he passed. And, you know, I remember going into his room and just looking at everything and seeing how things were exactly as he left it, you know. Um, Got a chance to meet his beautiful mom because I'd never met his mother before. Miss Julia is an amazing, an amazing person, Miss Julia George. She is a beautiful person. She called George her tesorito, which is My little treasure in Spanish, and you can tell that she was quite devastated by what was going on, and you know, um, she was trying to process it as well. But what I found interesting in her grieving is that she never once talked about him in, in the past tense, she never once talked about him, you know, saying that when he was here or She spoke about him in present time. Even though the elephant in the room was that he had passed, she never once wavered from talking about her baby and how she was looking to see him again and all that stuff. And for me, you know, this was the closest thing, you know, in a long time that I have felt, you know, in terms of grief. As I said, George was my my soulmate. We met in the military. Um... (laughs) Funny story. In um, 2003, we get deployed to uh, Iraq by way of Kuwait and a whole bunch of other places. And I was sent forward to be with the company because I was uh, in the rear trying to, well, you know, doing whatever we had to do in Kuwait to... You make sure that they got the supplies that they needed because I was a supply guy. And George, David George, wasn't quite in the unit just yet. But when I moved forward to um, Iraq from Kuwait, just a few short days later, we get a new addition to our company. Um sent from basic training you know to our unit and george happened to be one of those guys and my friend at the time queasy and i saw him from a distance and we were like oh you know it's a new black guy because you know in the company it was about 105 of us and it was really it was only five black guys so i remember being very excited about going up to meeting him so we both kind of go and you know, we, we, uh, go upstairs and we go meet him and we're like, Hey man, you know, how are you? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, I'm Reggie and queasy. And, uh, by the way, these are our first names, not our last names, which in the military, we're supposed to call each other by last names, but whatever. And he's like, I'm George. And, uh, me and, uh, queasy were both kind of perturbed. We were like. um, so what's going on, George? How are you? And I remember, you know, us forcefully trying to have a conversation with him and Queasy and I both walking away like, ah, he's one of those black guys, (laughs) uh, which meant to us like, oh, he's whitewashed or, you know, he doesn't have a true black experience, which honestly it wasn't fair for us to take that away from him. Um. But uh, that's what we thought, and uh, you know, over time, we didn't necessarily become close right away, but you know he 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 was a pretty silly guy, you know he was was always funny, you know he was always you know upbeat, you know he he had this won't quit attitude, like you were never gonna beat him down with anything. So, you know, over the few months of us being in Iraq together, uh, we got to know each other and you um, he was a, he was a otherwise really cool dude. And um, we get back from Iraq and, uh, you know, myself, Woods, and him kind of over the, you know, few months in Iraq Kind of forged a, a really close friendship uh, Three Musketeers, if you will And uh, he was just, you know, a, a upstanding guy And um, I didn't feel the connection to him right away But he seemed a little bit more in to people Than I had seen before And there was something about him that made me nervous um, Which later on it made sense uh, why he made me nervous and uh, I remember after we had got back from Iraq George was in this car accident and he broke his arm and I remember him being in the hospital and George had no means of communication uh, other than no means of communication. I don't think he had, had time to really go buy a cell phone or anything like that. But I had one. And while he was in the hospital, I let him use it. And uh, I think he was in the hospital for about a week. And, uh, you know, he was like, oh, I appreciate it. You know, thank you for, you know, letting me uh, use it. And at this point, it's 2004. And I'm getting ready to ETS, which is expired time in service. And um, I was getting ready to get out. And I was doing my final things. And... He and I went to the PX, the main PX in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, because this is where we were stationed. And I remember this day like it was yesterday. It was a sunshiny day. And George and I, he was in civilian clothes, and I was in my military clothes, uh, my BDUs, if you will, pressed and cleaned, uh, by the way. And I remember us both sitting <clears throat> on the back of my truck. I let the gate down, he and I was just sitting. And I remember, you know, George. And this is why I was nervous. I remember George asking me intently, "Are you gay?" And I said, "No." Needless to say, I was. Are you sure? I said, like, "Yes, I'm sure." I don't know, man. I mean, if you told me, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be upset. And I was like, "No, no, I'm straight. What, what are you talking about?" All right. But if you want to tell me, you can you you can tell me and I don't really remember the specifics of the conversation, but I do remember feeling the sun on my neck and he and I going back and forth and laughing and me being on the back of my truck without my my uh, beret on, which is a big no no when you're outside. And you have your military clothes But nobody passed through and said anything to either one of us It was as if we were in our own bubble And that was just a start to Our otherwise Deep relationship that we had Um And uh You know I I appreciate him for it Over the years He came to California Um he asked me if I was gay again And I told him no Um And that was about in 2006, because at that point I had gotten out and I decided to move to California. And he came to college with me. I, you know, brought him to class and everything. And he got a chance to meet, you know, my my folks, my my peeps in class. And uh, it was fun. It was just an amazing time. And I remember the specific time I had a... um, uh, A Ford Escape, a 2002 Ford Escape. It was a bright yellow (laughs) before it escaped, and it was like 9 o'clock at night, I don't know where we were going, but we were in Turlock at the time and I remember him opening the sunroof and getting out and wanting me to speed and just remembering how afraid I was like, man, get your ass down, what are you doing, but that was the kind of person he was he was that guy, you know he was not afraid of anything, you know And, uh, I think that also is what intimidated me as well, but, you know, um, we were a little bit estranged after that, after that episode. And, um, then I moved back to Jacksonville and he just would pressure me to come up North to come see him. And I was just like, Oh, you know, one day, one day. And, um, I just wasn't. I wasn't into it i didn't have the intention to i didn't want to go because again george's presence made me nervous you know at this point i wasn't out um and i felt like he was going to put me in a position to out myself make me do crazy strange things because george liked to have fun if you know what i mean so and i'm not that guy that's not something i was interested in and you know, on the many occasions, he had told me that he was gonna get me high or, you know, get me a girl, and those things intimidated me, but, um, you know, whatever, it happened. And um, it was our friendship. You know, we had many calls, you know, where we would be on the phone for two to three hours at a time. Uh, we also had times where we would go months and not speak. But we would always pick up where we left off. And, um, you know, so we had a really close uh, friendship. So it was definitely devastating to hear that he had passed and unbelievable that he had passed. Because he was so young. And uh, it took me a little bit to to process that. And, um, you know, just seeing his, his mom having to process it and trying to figure out what my new normal was gonna be, you know, with him not, without him being there. It was just a gamut of emotions that I had to process myself. But that was my journey of my friendship with George. It was an amazing one. I felt like it was cut short Because again, he was only 33, but he was a great guy. The next segment, I'm going to talk to you guys about my Darlena and how we became friends and my experience with grief with her. So stay tuned. Um, And now I want to tell you guys the story about me and Darlena's friendship. And then uh, the next segment is, and it might happen in this segment, depending on how this goes. Um, You know, I'm going to talk about how I'm handling my grief. And maybe some things in my experience can help you guys, Um, you know, who may be going through uh, this grief, which we're all grieving at this point, you know with Kobe passing and today is day two and we're still reeling and now we're learning more about the victims and you know naming the people who were involved in the crash and and how they were associated with Kobe and and uh, Gianna as well. And uh, you know it just it just is just more things that are happening and you know um, you know everybody is waking up to uh, the news of Kobe Bryant passing. You know, and having that time frame from yesterday until now um, to process it. So my friendship with Darlena, as I said in my uh, podcast before, spanned over 20 years. Um, We met in high school. Um, I was in the 11th grade. She was in the 9th. So that was a two-year difference. That was also a two-year difference in age for she and I. Um, We met um, through um, my brother's sister, And why she's my brother's sister is my brother and I shared the same father and um, had different mothers and they shared the same mom. So um, I met through, I met her through uh, my sister because I called her my sister too. And, um, you know, we just kind of forged a friendship pretty quickly. I mean, Darlena was always sweet. Uh, She was very endearing. Um, And... You know, as cliche as this sounds, she wasn't like the girls that were in high school. Um, Darlena was really a, a, a someone who didn't really care about what anybody thought, and um, was always uh, looking for positive. You know, she didn't have enemies as as much as I, you know, as uh, as I remember. And I just remember um, her her being sweet as pie. So. You know, we we became friends. I did like Darlena when I was in high school. um, And unfortunately, uh, that didn't work out or that didn't come into fruition. But we definitely maintained friendships. And at the end of my graduation, we vowed to keep in touch. Now, I went away to uh, boot camp, uh, came back and, you know, I wouldn't say we were estranged, but we weren't talking. I did come back from mental leave. Um, And I saw her then, and I think we exchanged numbers again and, um, you know, kind of lost touch. But we rekindled our friendship when I came back from mentor leave in Iraq. Um, At this point, this was 2003. So we saw each other. I happened to be walking through the mall and, um, you know, got an opportunity to see her. And we hung out a few times. I met, you know, Tasia, who's one of my... uh, uh, good uh, uh, Family members I, I consider her a family member at this point I met Shada, I met Daryl Who is her twin brother Miss Bowman, who is Mama T now And her family just embraced me You know, it was a very Fast relationship and we just Were very genuine with each Genuine with each other You know, I got an opportunity to have this level of Honesty with her that I didn't Necessarily feel I got with everybody else So over the years, you know, we had our, you know, uh, fights where we would, um, you know, disagree, agree to disagree and then not talk for a while. Um, She came to California and those of you who are close to us know that story. Um, And I'm not going to get into that, but uh, that's going to be for another day. And, you know, we just kept in touch, you know, Um, even at the times we found ourselves being mad at each other and wanting to just ring each other necks, um, you know, we really would always come back to the drawing board and say, hey, I forgive you, you forgive me, and was able to refocus. Um, but just like everybody else, we had our, um, you know, our moments. But uh, um, I really knew she had love for me when um, I came out to her, um, you know, and how she was you know, excited that I came out and, you know, was in support of me. And then when we got married, and that's me and my husband, we got married in 2015. um, She actually basically rescheduled all her uh, bookings that she had and said, hey, I'm going to my best friend's wedding. And she came and she performed Who Has Love, Um, which was an amazing poem from, uh, um, you know, that we got from her. And she was just, you know, a very light person. And her and George actually did get an opportunity to meet each other. And they had an, uh, an experience together with each other. Um, and, you know, it's it's interesting that I'm talking about both of them in, in, in past tense now. But, you know, we had a lot of good days. I would defend her to the end. But like I said, we had that level of honesty for each other that, you know, um, we were unabashedly afraid Uh, unabashedly not afraid to give each other the raw, honest truth. And, you know, I love that about her. Um, And she just had this zest for life, you know. And her passing took me out. What I mean by that is is I was just so shocked, you know, the the progression of what happened and how it happened and, you know, just being in non-belief, disbelief, you know, for... You know, days until the funeral, you know, um, and even during the funeral, I just had this idea that she was just gonna come walking in, you know, and you know, grief just played a, a weird role this time because this wasn't something I could shake as easily as I had in the past with, you know, my grandfather father and my aunts, and I just didn't understand why, you know. I remember getting anxiety, um, you know, because I, you know, over, you know, the course of, you know, uh, you know, coming to realization and, and all that stuff, it m- made me anxious. I remember being anxious at her wedding or not, I'm sorry, her funeral. I remember just being exhausted because I just was just so sad and, and, you know, uh, death, unfortunately is the trigger of my anxiety. And, um, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, I've grown to, um, you know, to recognize. um, And it's it's tough, you know, because I have moments where I... It just... It's a feeling, if anything, you know, where I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, I saw something today. I want to call Darlena. Oh, yeah, you know, or... Moments where I'd be like, oh, you know, that was hilarious. I need to let her know. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, and having to remind myself that, you know, she's not there in that capacity anymore. And that she's watching over me, you know. And um, even to this point where it's been two months since um, Miss McDonald has passed, I still have times... You know, where I am, you know, you know, riddled with grief for her and I don't, I know it's going to take time, but one thing I found about, you know, grief this time around is that, you know, it, it never really gets easier. It never gets to a point where I don't miss her, you know, that never gets to a point where it will never get to a point where I won't acknowledge that I will have, I'm trying to find a way to explain it, that I won't feel the sadness that I feel, you know, um, with George's passing, I've had three years to kind of, you know, get past it and, um, you know, kind of accept, you know, his, his passing. Um, but I don't remember it taking as long as it's taking now. Um, and I'm not saying that, you know, George and I weren't as close as we were with, you know, Darlena. I think it's all relative, but you know, this one hit home, you know, um, a lot, uh, and it just affected me more. And, um, I remember, you know, the call that we got, you know, saying that she had since passed on and also the, the call from earlier in the day saying that, you know, um, it was touch and go. I just was still in non-belief, you know? I just didn't believe it. It was just like, nah, all right, this is going to pass or, you know. And, uh yeah, now, you know, even looking back at it, I still find myself, like, you know, going on her Facebook page and, it, you know, seeing her smile and just, you know, that brings me comfort, but it also brings me sadness because I'll never have new memories of our relation. You know, I would never develop new memories, you know. All I would have is the memories that I, I had of her prior to her passing. You know, I did get an opportunity to go see her in the hospital, um, you know, which was great. I, I felt it in my heart that I needed to make that happen. And, you know, God was able to, you know, put things in place where I was able to make that happen. Um, And it was, it was just an, uh, 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 it's still a, uh, adjusting period. And, you know, as I said earlier, my sister lost her husband and, you know, I, I find a lot of comfort with talking to her because she's like, you know, "It, it will get easier, but you know, right now I understand what you feel and, you know, allow yourself to feel that way. And that's really all you can do with grief. You know, um, don't try to mask it, you know, don't suppress it. Don't overwork it, you know? Don't try to not think about it because all these things you know are just delaying the inevitable, which is the you know, the, the 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 realization that that person isn't here. You know, when you you know put obstacles in your way to where it blinds you from being able to see reality, when you do you know, have that moment of clarity, it, it hits you tenfold. And I am still dealing with, you know, the, the grief from Darlena, um, and, you know, from George and her passing, you know, made me think of him because they both were young, you know, they both were at, uh, the prime of, you know, making some, uh, great strides into you know becoming the people uh uh you know the great people uh that they are and that there was just so much promise for both of them and to you know for that to 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 happen and and not being able to see that seed fully develop just you know it, it makes it that much more tragic you know i mean same thing with kobe's um and um you know, his daughter, you know, she's, she was 13. You know, they both were young, you know, and they didn't get a chance to see their potential, you know, and it's it's exhausting, you know, and it's sad and it makes you feel all these emotions and you wanna pray for the family and, you know, you wanna pray for, you know, clarity. You wanna pray, pray for understanding, but all these things pull you in different ways. And there's no telltale way to deal with, you know, um, you know, grief. My personal recommendation, because this works for me, is if you can get a grief counselor or if you could get, you know, um, you know, a therapist. I'm a big advocate for therapists, you know, to 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 talk to and share your experience with. Um, That is that is is you know something I would definitely recommend, also allowing yourself to feel that sadness of that person not being present you know um, the one thing that I find uh solace is I actually go back to george 's page, which his page has been memorialized um, you know his family members memorialized his page you know, which gives us an opportunity to kind of uh, go in and leave comments and stuff and, you know, uh, you know, allows ourselves to feel better. You know, I, I, I do go and I look at their pictures and I look at their, you know, the moments that they were happy. I look at the videos, you know, of Darlena that she did of live because she loved herself some live, honey. She loved some Facebook live. Her funeral was even Facebook live, you know, and, um, you know, she wouldn't have wanted it any other way, you know. And uh, uh, grieving is is an interesting tool, um, but everybody has their way of dealing with it. So, you know, this podcast really wasn't for me to you know say, "Hey, guys, this is grief, and this is how you should deal with it." This was just to express to you guys my experience with grief. And how I'm still processing it, um, you know, at this time, you know, no one can do it alone. You know, don't close yourself off to just deal with it and don't put it away. You know, make sure that you deal with the elephant in the room. And if it makes you feel comfort to talk about it with others, you know, talk about it. If it makes you feel comfort to just have those memories in your head and you think about it from time to time, do that. But don't try to cover it up and act like it doesn't bother you because it will come back tenfold, you know. So um, that's pretty much it, guys. Um, I want to tell you guys thank you for listening. This is a little bit longer of a uh, podcast and it it might sound like it's all over the place. And for that, I'm sorry. But, you know, like I said, Kobe's passing got me in this mindset of thinking about grief and, you know, thinking about how we, you know, process this. You know, when something on this scale happens and, you know, we really just need each other. We really just need each other to lean on and, you know, love your your, you know, friends, love your family and give them their flowers while they're alive. You know, don't wait to tell them because as unti- uh, unti- untimely as this was, this goes to show that no one knows when their time is up or when their time is going to be called. None of us do. And we have to make the best and the most of the time that we have and try not to live in regret, live life on purpose every day. Be kind to one another said and taken from my best friend Darlena and you know find a zest for life and um, just love and allow yourself to be loved so with that being said guys I'm going to go ahead and go I am going to post this podcast now Uh, I again want to say thank you all for listening Um, You can subscribe um, to Anchor. Um, It is in the same places as before. Spotify, um, Pocket Cast, Google uh, Podcast uh, as well. And it's on RSS RSS feed. Okay? So thank you guys for listening. Enjoy the rest of your day. And um, hopefully this helps you in some way. um, In terms of dealing with the grief that you may have all right guys enjoy your day peace